the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to Buckets. I am your host, Brandon Anderson, here with Matt Moore, and we are out of the all-star break. Thank God we are ready to watch some real basketball games again. We're hitting the home stretch. Today, we're going to do some tasty titled tiers as we get towards the playoffs. Matt, how many days until the postseason? 47, as you're listening to this. 47 days until the NBA postseason, not playoffs, but the postseason begins. I have to differentiate that because the play-in is not the playoffs. That's right. Well, hey, we we, we want the postseason because we want to count the, you know, the Lakers and the Nets. We want them to make the postseason. We'll see about the playoffs. But we're going to go through, we're going to rank teams on their chances to win the title this summer. We're not going to do all 30 teams today because guess what? I'm sorry if you had to find out this way. Not all 30 teams have a real chance to win the title this summer. So we're actually cutting things off at teams that we think can realistically win a playoff series. We'll do five tiers each. So we'll get to those in a second. Matt, as we hit the home stretch here, coming out of the break, what's one team that you feel like you're going to be watching the closest going forward here? Oh, that's a good question. The Sixers. They add James Harden. It's not just Harden, though. For me, it's about... I have a hard time with the Sixers team. I really do. They've got a good record. They've got a good net rating. They seem very solid. Um, they've got the MVP favorite right now in Joel Embiid. And if you look at them on the season, uh, the Sixers are actually 13th in adjusted net rating at dunks and threes. They're 15th in offense. Eh. They're 11th in defense. Eh, pretty good. With this much talent, I should be looking at this team as like a title contender. I should be looking at this team as like a force. And I don't, I'm tired of Philadelphia fans rating my mentions and going buck wild, but I still can't really believe it. So I'm looking for them to, if, if Harden, you know, does kick things into gear and they just look like a monster, I'm going to be looking at them. Um, the Denver Nuggets, I think are another team. Jamal Murray's expected back has not started contact yet. Has not started practicing. No contact yet for Jamal Murray run out of time. So that's, a, I think a concern if you're looking at Denver futures, which I had from preseason and it has, I, I'm getting nervous now. Um, more nervous than I already was. And then I think of the Dallas Mavericks, they should drop because of Chris Stapps Porzingis being traded for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. But Luke has been absolutely ridiculous. We'll have to see what they do. Um, things are wide open. It, maybe they're not. Maybe the Suns just roll through everybody. But outside of Phoenix, everything feels very wide open and trying to figure everything out is going to be fascinating. Yeah, I agree. The other team that I would say is the Brooklyn Nets, just because you got to see what this team looks like. And also, if no other reason, we're probably going to get like, what, four games the rest of the season where we actually get to see Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving all play together. Like, what's your over under on games with those three guys that actually play their minutes together the rest of the season? Uh, I'll give you, say, five and a half. We're going to take the over under on those three guys playing regular season games. I'll say over. I'll say over. Okay. There's like there's a lot of talk that KD might come back sooner. Um, Simmons, I don't know about. and then the mandate maybe get lifted. Yeah. So that opens up the, the window a lot for Kyrie, given how many home games they have. So um, yeah, I, I think I'll take the over on that. I just think it, there's still going to be a lot to figure out here about yeah. how they're going to play. There's the, the nets are fascinating. I'll, I'll say this, like if the nets win the title, I think it's pretty damning of the NBA that you can basically just like throw a bunch of dudes together 
that have talent and win a title. That's that to me would be concerning, I think, from a league standpoint. But that's definitely possible with how good KD is. Yeah, I, to me, that's why they're if I only get one team, they would be the team to watch just because I just need to see it. I need to see what's happening. I want to watch Durant. We don't know. You know, it, it was interesting last year after Durant being gone so long, how much joy it brought me just to see Kevin Durant on a basketball court again and to realize like, oh, man, this is an all time great. There's no one like him that I've ever seen. And we've learned and are learning again. We don't get too much Kevin Durant left. So just seeing him out there. Ben Simmons is a very special player. So hopefully they can find a role for him. It'll be interesting to watch that. So these teams are interesting, obviously, because they're in the title race. So let's get to our title tiers. We did five tiers. How many teams did you end up ranking overall between your five tiers? Do you have a number? Yep. I have 16 teams, I think, that can win a first round series. All right. Well, I've got 18. So we're probably going to have just a slightly different bottom tier. But let's start at the top. That's where this matters most. These are title tiers after all. So. Who'd you have in your top tier? And uh, we, we kind of are naming our tiers too. So how did you define your top tier here? So the top tier is title ready now. Like right now, we started the playoffs today. These teams can win the NBA title. Uh, I have four teams in this bucket, in this tier. And they are the Phoenix Suns, obviously, the Golden State Warriors, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Miami Heat. Okay, so that is interesting. My top tier is very similar to yours with one big exception. So I I tried to kind of title mine similar to yours, except the if the playoffs started now caveat really screws this up because Chris Paul is hurt. Draymond Green is hurt. If the playoffs actually started right now, like today, right now, this would be a little different rating. But assuming that if if the playoffs started when they actually start right now, then that makes sense to me. I call this tier for me. We know right now they can win this. And I had the three of the same teams as you, and that's it. I had Warriors, Suns, Bucks. I do not have the Heat. I actually do not have the Heat in my second tier either. Miami is tier three for me. So let's start with Miami. Give me the case for why the Heat are a team that can win this right now. Look, their offense stalls out sometimes. It does. But they're 11th in half-court offense, which is what I care about. How do you overall perform? And in a playoff environment, how often do you need to get buckets in a playoff environment using a tough bucket getter? A lot. It's good defense. You need guys that can hit tough shots. Guess what? Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, tough bucket getters. Do I trust Bam Adebayo? Not especially, but he doesn't have to be amazing. He just has to bring the room together. And that's all he's going to do. And I like him in that role a lot more than like second star, like he was last year. I like him as a third option or a fourth option. I like him in that regard. Tyler Hero was really bad last year. Tyler Hero is not really bad anymore. They've lost some shooting with Duncan Robinson, but they've got other guys that have stepped up. Max Struess is giving them quality minutes. We've seen them win consistently without their starting lineup together. When those guys play, their record is ridiculously good. They have signature wins versus the Bucks, versus the Nets, versus the Sixers. They have all these types of wins. They are able to play any type of style that they need to. They can drop. They can play zone. They can switch. They can do all of these things. They are playoff made. If you get to the argument of, well, yeah, but they're not like a really explosive offense. Neither was Milwaukee. Milwaukee would consistently stall out in the playoffs offensively. They did that in each of their series, and yet they still won the title. And I think Miami matches up extremely well with Boston. I think they match up well with Philadelphia. I think they match up well with the Bucs, and I think they match up well with the Nets. So when we look at all those types of things and the coaching advantage that Eric Spolster gives you and what Kyle Lowry provides, as an extra boost, plus P.J. Tucker as a weapon that can defend and hit threes. I don't understand why we wouldn't include the Heat as the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, despite a lot of adversity. 
amongst the title contenders. Well, that's a very compelling argument. I'm having compelling enough that I'm having a hard time really pushing back against mostly any of it, because I think that you're right about all of that. I can't give too much credit to them being the one seed just because it's so cramped right now that like every week or two, we can say somebody else, well, the bulls are the one seed again, or the bucks are the one seed, you know, it, it keeps switching. So I don't want to focus too much on that. Yes. The fact that they have missed Butler and Bam so much and are still the one seed. Yes, that matters. Yes. That is very impressive for sure. Question in the playoffs. Once we actually get some series here with Miami, I think was holding me back a little bit. I agree that they're versatile. I agree. They're going to have tough defense. They're definitely a team that is not ever going to step away from a challenge. They're going to believe they're that they should win every series, but I don't think they're going to have the better offense in most series. And I don't think they're going to have the best player in most series. And I think that's, what's holding me back a little bit. That's no disrespect to Jimmy Butler who's having an awesome season and honestly is maybe as good as he's ever been. Like I actually think Butler should be getting some fringe MVP buzz, except that he missed so many games. But when we get to the Eastern playoffs and we know it's a gauntlet, how many teams can Miami face that they will not have the best player on the court? Um, I want to challenge your argument in total here rather than really. So in the Clippers series last year, who was the best player on the court between the Clippers and the Suns? The Clippers, I, I, I refuse to count the Clippers as a counter argument because the Clippers just like made 10 million shots. And I just think that was like a one in a million chance that they just got hot and kept shooting the way that they did. No, I'm so, talking about in the Clippers Sun series, which the Clippers lost. Who was the best player? Uh, it's Paul George. It's Paul George, Brandon. I think it's Chris Paul. Did Paul George didn't play that well. Chris is really good, but no, but who's the best player? Not about not who played best, Brandon. That's not your argument. That's fair. So, all right. So let's go to, um, we can go back to, let's see the Eastern conference last year. Um, I think most people would put KD over Giannis even last year. Not now, but maybe that's fair. Maybe then. Okay. All right. But you got all the injuries. Sure. Extemporaneous factors, but again, we have evidence of that. Um, the 2000 and we could do the bubble argument, but again, though, the heat didn't have the best player in almost any of their series in 2019. And they made the finals. This is funny because in the NFL, you and I've had this argument where you kept backing, um, a, a guy named Jimmy Garoppolo. And I kept being like, Brandon, you're back. You're back in Jimmy Garoppolo here. Like you're, you're really trusting Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, and you're like, it's not, it's a team sport. It's not a one man sport. And I'm like, no, I legitimately think the NFL, like you just need the best quarterback. Like, Joe Burrow beat Patrick Mahomes because he was better than Patrick Mahomes on that day, right? Like, I think in the NBA, we actually overestimate this stuff. I think the gaps between these star players are, there are times when it's massive. If it's LeBron versus Jimmy, okay. Like LeBron with a, with a, like a decent team, like one of his average Cavs teams or whatever. But when we get into the nitty gritty of this stuff and there's the gaps between guys are pretty close. And so for me, I don't, I think that if the Nets were better, I believe you. If the Bucks were better, I believe you. But when we look at all of these different teams, the best player in those series most often are not on juggernaut teams. We don't have the best players in the sport right now on juggernauts. The Nets are extremely compromised because they let Kyrie and KD build the team. So that's my argument against this. I, I, uh, from, a, from a, this is my argument standpoint, like it's a sound one on the surface, 
But when we start to look at how the league has evolved, I'm not with you that what matters is having the best player. I no longer think that that's where the NBA is. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a buck stops here argument, no pun intended, I guess, but that it, I just think that it's a good tiebreaker to look at. It's a good, like looking at a series at a big picture in the NBA, I don't think it's fair to compare NBA and NFL. We know that in NBA, more than any other sport, always the superstars drive where the league goes. There's always a super duper star on the title team with very few exceptions. So I, I get it. I understand the argument. Obviously, when we look at this tier, Heat, Fox, Suns, Warriors, we know they can win because every one of these teams has been in the finals. Yeah. The Warriors technically know because it's been a few years, but but yes. still stuff Draymond and Clay. But yes, yeah. yeah. With like, Kerr. This is, with Kerr. Yeah, with Kerr. Like no, no Wiggins, no Otto Porter, but yeah, it's the Warriors. Bucks Suns last year, Heat the year before. So that's why we are confident they can win. If one of these, let's leave the Heat out of this. If Warriors, Suns, or Bucks, if I told you one of those teams lost in the first round Oof. and it's not because of a catastrophic injury, what's the story? What happened and who is it? Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. Um, oh, I'll say Milwaukee because there's a decent chance that they wind up in like a four or five versus Miami or versus um, the Nets or versus Boston. Like, the Bucks are a good team, but they're going to have less than a month with Brooke Lopez. I don't know if that's considered a catastrophic injury. We talked about like, they just don't have as much depth. They just don't, they don't have as much depth. And that really, I think compromises them. I have to say Milwaukee, the defending champs, which is nuts, but I don't see either of the, um, well, no, one more other option is if the Clippers get, if the Clippers get their guys back, everything is off sure. the table. Like that changes everything. If, the Clippers show up to the playoffs and they've got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, the Suns and the Warriors can both go down. Yeah, no, I agree with that. You could, you could make that argument for either of the LA teams. If, if LeBron and Davis suddenly are amazing LeBron and Anthony Davis, I think though, you're right. Probably the best answer is the bucks just because other than expecting these superhuman returns on the LA guys, like right now, the bucks, depending on where the draw goes, could have to face a, a bunch of tough teams coming out of the East. Like it's, it's a real mess in the middle there. So uh, yeah, it'd be certainly surprising any of those teams. Let's go to the next tier. So tier two, here's how I call it this tier. Uh, again, we're looking at how, can you win the title? So I, I call this uh, probably, but you'll have to imagine for now. So I have four teams in this tier. It's the Brooklyn Nets and Philadelphia 76ers. And then it's the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers. It's basically teams that if they get there, if they're healthy, if the guys are on the court, I can see a possible run in a title more than I can see anyone else on the board. So I have a feeling we're going to go a little uh, separate ways on our tier here. What do you got in your second tier? My tier two is two teams and it's just called must be elite to beat. You got to be an elite team. If you're going to beat these two teams, um, you, you, the other teams below them, I think can hit their stride and find it. I've got a tier below it that we'll talk about, but as of right now, if you're going to beat these teams, your B game is not going to is not going to knock them off. You would better play really great. Um, and it's the Nets and the Jazz. And I don't want to bet the Jazz. I'm not going to bet the Jazz. I don't think there's any value in betting the Jazz. I think the Jazz are on the edge of an implosion. I think there's a lot of concerns with the Jazz. But look, the Jazz out execute most teams. If it's Utah versus Memphis, Utah is going to be a big dog. And I am taking 
the Utah Jazz in that situation. They have better half court execution. They have better be, better overall discipline. Um, they are a more experienced team. They know how to execute what they do. The Utah Jazz were a really good team. They were a really flawed team that will fall to the Suns, the Warriors, the Bucks, the Heat, a number of teams. But in the playoffs, sometimes you just don't have to face those teams. Sometimes you get the right series of matchups. And the Jazz are good enough to warrant being here. Um, with Brooklyn, they got KD. They got KD and a bunch of really good shooting. You know I'm low on this team. I've been low on them since preseason. I've constantly dogged on this team. I'm always worried that I'm going to look like an idiot when the Nets are just like, nope, KD is just going to score 50 and they're going to win every game and that's it. Like, it's possible. I'm not ruling it out. I cannot, when I watch this team, I am never blown away by how impressive they are. They never look scary to me, but they have enough talent that they have to be considered in this tier. I can't drop them below this. So I will keep it to just the Nets and the Jazz because you have to be elite if you're going to beat them. Yeah, so we are very different here. We do have the Nets the same. We've said a lot about the Nets. We'll say plenty more about the Nets on buckets to come. So let, let's not focus too much on them. I want to talk about the Jazz because you and I, well, I guess just mostly me, I have really gone back and forth on this team this year. Early in the season, I was the Jazz defender on our podcast. I was the guy that's saying, and I truly still believe if they had been healthy last year, that they would have been in the finals. I thought it was a truly great team. This year, you warned early on, this team ain't it. The, the chemistry is off, the quotes coming out, the locker room, it's all a mess. And somehow now you have totally convinced me and I'm, I've gone the other way and I'm just out on them now. But the numbers are strong. Yeah, The SRS is strong, the net rating is strong, yeah. and they're strong despite that they haven't even been good for like a month or a month and a half because yeah. their guys are all hurt. Yeah. And they're still that strong. So... Paint the picture for me. The Utah Jazz have just made the NBA Finals. How did it happen? All right. Uh, they hold on to the four seed, which they're very, very likely to do. Okay. They hold on to the four seed. And the uh, Dallas Mavericks get the five seed behind a Luka Doncic extremely great fit run to the end of the, of the postseason. The Mavs don't want to switch. They have a, they can play small, but they're not really super comfortable playing playing that way. And they can play a little bit of five out, but it's not necessarily as dangerous as like the Clippers with Marquise Morris or any number of other teams that can go small and really punish you. Um, and so in that situation, what you've got is you've got a very limited offensive roster with the Mavericks versus a very high baseline with the Jazz, where they're still going to score probably 108 to 111 points per 100 possessions. And the Mavericks, quite honestly even behind an extremely awesome Luca performance. And Luca's going to go off in that series because the jazz are going to play drop and Luca's going to average like 45 and he's going to have extremely great numbers. And I'm betting the Mavericks on the win line, right? I'm going to be taking Mavericks plus two and a half. They would be big dogs in that series. I would take them plus two and a half wins in that series. Um, but I think the jazz get past them because the Mavericks just simply do not have enough without THJ and with what they traded Porzingis for. Okay. So now they're going on into the whoever wins out of the one eight. All right. Um, the Suns. Let's say that Chris Paul doesn't return. That opens the door for an upset. Obviously, um, there's also the possibility that the, the Wolves wind up sliding and winding up in the eighth seed. And let's say that the Phoenix Suns go into that series without Chris Paul. The Wolves are an extremely dangerous upstart team like that could be very much open for the door or. And this is going to sound kind of surprising, given how this game played out the other night. But look. I don't know what I'm betting in a jazz Lakers series. I don't because 
as much as you have turned into like you have been taking the Lakers, you took your Lakers as the best bet to win the title on our action network podcast, which you can check out on the action network feed. But you've gone a little bit. I like, we started talking about this the other day on buckets and now you've gone too far, Brandon. Like, let's be clear. I started like, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago and I was like, there's a path for the Lakers. And like, I, I think there's a path here. The Lakers still suck real bad. Like they yep. suck real bad. Okay. Terrible. And so there's a chance that like they upset the sun somehow because of injury or whatever else. And then the jazz come in and the jazz beat the Lakers, which sounds insane given what happened the other night, but the jazz were up in that game. They should have won that game. And so like the, the, the Lakers pull off one massive upset, but then Davis gets hurt or whatever. If there is any sort of scenario now, here's where the problem runs in is like the jazz are most likely not going to get above the four seed and the warriors are almost, or the Suns are almost definitely not going to be the one seed. And so the issue just becomes here, like who could knock off the Suns? And it really realistically is like, well, the Clippers, if they do that, but then if the Clippers do that, they're beating the jazz. So there's all these types of scenarios, but I am saying if you remove these teams, if they do not have to face a team for whatever reason, or if they face a team that can switch, but they don't have their guys, like the jazz can make that run. If they are the ones that benefit from the breaks, there are teams that honestly, if you give them breaks, can't do it. Like, even if you give them a break and you could argue last year, the jazz were that team, you know, they complain a lot about Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley were hurt. Kawhi Leonard was out. Shut up. You didn't have to face Kawhi Leonard for the back half of that series. You still lost. But, but if the jazz just get the right sequence of games, I can absolutely see a scenario where they wind up in the finals. I think they lose there, but I do think that they're at least on the board there. They're too good to ignore because of how baseline good Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell with capable shooters is. Yeah. So I have the jazz in my fourth tier. So they're not even a next tier down, but you've convinced me I'm moving them up into the third tier. So I want to come back to that in a second. My counter argument, devil's advocate to myself on the jazz here is this. We tend, we collectively basketball watchers draw too big and too conclusive of conclusions after a playoff season, like, oh, this happened, therefore this thing. No, the the Bucks and Nets came down to a foot on the three-point line. There were major injuries along the way. The Bucks didn't have to play a top team in the Eastern Finals. It was the Hawks and Trey Young. They, they ducked out of certain matchups. The Suns got a lot of injury luck along the way. That's all fine. There's no asterisk, but one scenario happened in the playoffs it's too easy, I think, to look at that and say, you see, the Jazz are flawed. The Jazz have been flawed. They don't get there every year. And my counter is this. Going into last year's playoffs, we kind of said a lot of these same things about the Bucks. The Bucks are flawed. They don't show up in crunch time. They don't have enough offense. Not the same thing with the Jazz here. Giannis doesn't have it, that factor to win the title. There was a lot of that talk. Not necessarily from me or you, but there's a lot of that out there that these yeah. bucks just ain't it. Yeah. And then they were it. And now the narrative totally swung. So to me, I think if the Jazz get there, that's that's the story that we'll be telling is, yeah, they weren't it. But now they are it because they kind of were the whole time. I get it. But for me, it's a tactical problem. But that's the yeah, difference here is like the bucks. It was like they don't have a championship heart, like nonsense like that. When it was really like the bubble was weird. Fred Van Vliet hit a million, million threes and like they had bad luck two years and then they didn't have bad luck and they won the title. This team has been awesome for three years. The Jazz have been an awesome regular season team, but we've seen them consistently. And this, the word's been out. This is why like you and I bet on teams as an underdog versus them this season, because 
if you we did these bet streams and the Spurs were just like, we're just going to switch everything in the second half. We're just going to switch everything. And they won the game like they can't beat it because they don't trust Rudy Gobert to get a bucket on his own in the playoffs. Like having a guy that you can't trust defensively is killer because teams will hunt them down with the jazz. It's the opposite. It's really not that, that Rudy can't defend in space. He's OK. He's not he's not as good as jazz fans say. He's not as bad as people make it out to be. He's fine. Guarding in space for any big man is, is tough. Joel Embiid can't do it. Nikola Jokic can't do it. The guys that can do it are like Miles Turner and Draymond Green. Like those are the only guys that can switch and guard effectively. They're big. Um, but the problem is on the other end, when teams do this and they're shooting all these threes and they're playing five out, you have to punish them for it. You have to say, we're going to go big because we're our guy, our second best player, our best player, whatever you want to say, is, is seven feet tall. And we're going to punish you for these switches. We're going to punish you. You're going to switch a tiny ass guard on a Rudy Gobert. Rudy's seven feet tall. So he's going to get the ball and he's going to absolutely put that thing. And he's going to hurt you every single time. And Rudy can't do it. And they know that. And they don't give him the ball. If you watch jazz games, when they do this switching scheme, they look him off and he's always frustrated. It's kind of hilarious, quite honestly, because it's like year four of me seeing him calling for the ball and Mike Conley being like, uh, I'm going to swing to the weak side and Bogdanovich can take a three. Like they don't do it. And whether that's coaching or player decisions, they do not trust Rudy Gobert to punish the switch. And they're not going to be able to get past those teams that do that. That's different than a Milwaukee Bucks team that had any number of like mental or juju or those type of things. That's all true. So I think that you've convinced me to move the jazz up into tier three, but you definitely just convinced me to not move them not past tier three. Yeah. That's <laughs> so okay. my tier three, I call it finals underdogs at the draw breaks, right? So I think I think that's the exact scenario you just painted for the jazz is that title. So that works for me. My other teams in this tier, this is eight, nine, and 10 for me. I have the Heat, the Celtics, and the Bulls, all three East teams. We talked about the Heat already, Celtics and the Bulls. The talent is there. They're going to need a little break in the draw, but they could get it. The East, depending on where things go, there could be one or two much easier matchups to kind of push them forward. What's the so, draw? Give me the draw for the Bulls. I got to hear this. What, what, especially with how much you've hated this Bulls team since they traded for Vooch last year. What's the draw? What, what, is the, what, is the, what, what does the road to the finals look like for the Chicago Bulls? The, the draw for the Bulls is essentially the draw for the Hawks last season. It's it's uh, a matchup with Cleveland in the first round. You got your experience. You got your, you get your easy case. I think not that the Cavs are bad, but I don't think you're going to make too much strong of a case there. The Bulls are favored in that series. Yep. Round two, you get, I, I don't know, you get Milwaukee, you get Philadelphia, you get someone like that, and you get the injury at the right time. Uh, sorry, I was going to say Brooklyn or Philly. You get the break, one break. And so you got the one easier series draw, Cleveland or maybe Toronto, someone like that. You get the break. Now you're in the Eastern finals. Now, maybe you're the, you're the underdog, but now you're the underdog. Maybe get to the finals. You're the underdog there. So that's, I, I, I put them into this tier. I like the Celtics better. We've talked a lot about them, the heat and the Celtics. Part of why I had the heat down is because I think the heat and Celtics are very similar teams and similar cases. So what I like about the Celtics, I like about the heat, but I had to kind of compromise and put them together here. So that's my tier three. What's your tier three look like? Sleepers, baby, sleepers. All these teams, I think, can win the title. I think these teams have what it takes to win the NBA title. They are underdogs for a reason. It's going to take a great run by their best players. And it's going to take some, uh, not even fortune, just like they're going to have to, 
they're going to have to win coin flip games. I think they can beat the teams fully healthy, but they're going to need the right tempo play. And most especially they need their guys to have the absolute runs of their lives. The Denver Nuggets with Jamal Murray and possibly Michael Porter Jr. Coming back that, that puts them on the map. Uh, the Los Angeles Clippers, if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are available, they are a very dangerous team. I am. I want to get your thoughts on this about whether or not we should bet the Clippers, whether I should bet the Clippers, given that I think there's a non-zero chance that Kawhi Leonard returns. I think there's less than a 20% chance that Kawhi Leonard returns. I don't know how to figure out the EV, an appropriate return on that, even if the EV versus the number is good. Um, the Mavericks, Luca's on such a tear. Look, I've made the case for the Jazz beating the Mavericks. I can see the Mavericks beating the Jazz. The Mavericks get past the Jazz in the 4-5. The Suns get caught, and all of a sudden, it's Luka, and it's Luka's postseason. We've been waiting for this, right? We've been waiting for Luka to make the run. Luka was the, the MVP favorite going into the season. Like, he's playing like it now. He's in shape. He's stopped drinking all the time, apparently. Like, there's a real road here. Their defense is great. I don't understand how, but their defense is great. And then the Boston Celtics, best defense in the league. Jason Tatum playing at an absolutely ridiculous level. Finally back on track. Jalen Brown's incredible. Derek White gives them the point guard that they need. Those four teams, I think, are exceptionally dangerous. I'm going to be looking for them in the various matchups that they will fall into. Yeah, so let's talk Clippers just quick. I, I think the case for the Clippers, if you want to make it, is this is really the same case that I'm making for the other Los Angeles team. And then the case is you get to the play-in, you get your two superstars healthy, and the West the is Clippers winnable. are good, Brandon. That's the difference. The Clippers are good. Oh, that's that's fair. The Clippers, you're right. You're right. The Clippers are much better supporting cast, but also without Kawhi and with the way PG has been, not since like since the last couple of months, there's no superstars on that team. Paul George is not playing like a superstar the way he's been injured in and out. He started out great. He dropped off a lot. Kawhi is not there. That version of the team is good enough to win the play-in game yeah. and then be a tough out, they're not a title team. Right. The title team you're talking about is the one where Kawhi is back and good and PG is healthy and good. That team with the supporting cast, sure, absolutely they can win a title because it's the same argument with the Lakers that if the West is winnable, if CP is injured and Draymond is injured and the two teams that have been the top all year are vulnerable and we, 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 a lot of the other stars are out, Suddenly the matchup breaks, right? It actually is good for the Clippers in this scenario that they get to face maybe the Suns in the first round before Chris Paul is back totally healthy or before Draymond is back. You get the Warriors. You actually want those teams early because if you're healthy and they're not, get them now. Why wait a month to get them? So I don't believe that Kawhi is going to play this season. If you like the Clippers, they are at 100 to 1 to win the title. So if you like the argument that the Lakers win the title at 45 to one, the Clippers are double that the Clippers have, I would say at this point, a superstar in Kawhi who you have to put pretty close to on par with LeBron if he's healthy and has best. Right. And the supporting cast clearly is better. We know Ty Lue is going to be great. I don't hate it. To me, I have them tier five because I don't think we're going to see Kawhi. And if they don't, then they're barely in. But if you, if you believe, then they move to my tier two. I, I think then you you imagine and you can see it. I think you put this well, though, in terms of it's not just about whether they play, it's about whether they return or not good. And that's like a good way to do it. So I think I, I think you do have to wait to see if they return. And if they do return, you're still getting them probably at a pretty good number because like they'll jump considerably. 
but they'll still have to be dogs for a number of reasons. And so from that perspective, um, I think I'll wait to see like if Kawhi plays and if Kawhi does play, then I'll bet them. I don't think there's value in trying to get ahead of him possibly coming back, especially after Ty Lue said he doesn't expect him back this season. So I'm with you there. So I'll push back just a little bit on that because the whole point of the value is the 100 to 1. If the news comes out tomorrow that Kawhi is on track to return and might come, that number immediately drops to like 40 to 1. You just lost two and a half times yeah, but your it's value. Still, but it's still 40 to 1, Brandon. You don't always have to go 100 to 1. It's still 40 <laughs> to 1. Put in, you, you can play like a quarter of a unit and basically be getting a 25 to 1 on one unit basically there. Oh. So you don't have to put much in at that odds. I, I get it. So the Clippers are intriguing, maybe. Um, let's go to my tier four. We're running out of time here. So I call this tier, I mean, we can at least win a series, right? <laughs> so in this tier, I have the Memphis Grizzlies, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I have the Jazz, but I moved them up. And then I have the Mavericks here. The, the Mavs and the Grizz are, they're good. They're very good teams. I just don't really believe that they can do much more than win a series this year. The Cavs, I think, are even a more extreme version of that and in a conference where they're almost certainly going to have a tough first-round draw and be a real underdog. So that's where I've got those teams here. If I'm not mistaken, I don't believe you've had the 76ers in a tier yet. Have you had Philadelphia yet? Yeah, I have not. Are they in your fourth tier? They are in my fourth tier. Okay, what do you got? Mine's not quite there. I don't think that they're quite there. Um, mine's the, the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm with you on them. Their half-court offense is simply not good enough. I worry about them. They are an extremely transition-based team. They need turnovers and the, to fly down the court. And I think in the playoffs, it slows down enough. Somebody will catch them. Uh, the Chicago Bulls, I can't get there with them. Um, I don't like the Philly matchup, even though there's reasons to like it. The Sixers play drop, so DeMar and Levine shoot a bunch of mid-range jumpers. Vucevic just fills in like enough, even though he gets beasted by Embiid. Um, it's a slugfest series. Like Chicago, I might look at like the win line on that, but ultimately the Bulls don't shoot enough threes. That's going to be the problem. You have to outpace the Sixers because they don't shoot a lot of threes, and I don't think Chicago has a capability to do it, um, nor are they experienced enough on their bench unit to help out. Um, the Cavaliers can't quite get there. The Raptors, I think, deserve to be in this mm. conversation. But I do think that, that Toronto, their bench is so bad. Their starters have to play so many minutes. They are reliant on a rookie and Scotty Barnes. Um, OG, I know he's not been great this year. If Toronto comes out of nowhere and starts making a ruckus, I'm not going to be shocked, especially this team has cost me so much freaking money. But uh, I have to put them on here. I have respect for them. The Sixers are here because here, here's my argument on the Sixers. Don't bet them this year. Wait till the summer, right? Daryl Moore got his guy. He'll reconfigure this team this summer. He'll trade Tobias Harris. He'll get other pieces. He'll build a well-spaced three-point shooting team around Harden, three shooters, and Embiid. And that will be a great team. They will put, I think it, I think the two best title bets this summer are going to be the Clippers and the Sixers. I will bet a Clippers-Sixers title, like finals matchup this summer. I'm not there yet with the Sixers team. I still think Embiid can be taken out by double teams effectively. He's shown that before. He just has turnover problems. I don't know what version of Harden we're getting. Maybe if we get to April and it looks different, I can change on this. But where I'm at right now, I cannot buy into the Sixers. So not quite there. The Grizzlies, the Bulls, the Cavaliers, Raptors, and Sixers. Yeah, so I think we're mostly in agreement on most of those teams there. I have the Raptors just one tier down, but I'm basically in the same spot with you on them. The Sixers, here's for me where I I got stuck. I, I actually got real close to putting the Sixers into my top tier. And then I almost pushed them down to a third tier. 
I just came back to they're they're in my imagination tier, which is tier <laughs> two. But the imagination tier is this: Is it possible that we're just overthinking this a little bit? We're we're at basically Joel Embiid, James Harden. We know Embiid is awesome. He's one of the best players in the world right now and healthy right now. We don't know if James Harden can be healthy or do it in the playoffs, but what if he can? What if he turns back into the James Harden and has just been dogging this time to get there? We've seen him do that. Yeah. Like why this is the team that has the two superstars more than any other team. Shouldn't we just be like, are we overthinking this? Let's take the two superstars. Um. Yeah, because you're taking two superstars, take Katie and Kyrie. Like, Kyrie is not at that level, though. Don't I, put Kyrie I, at the level of Harden and Embiid and Katie. I, I mean, that's fine. I've never been a Kyrie guy. I'm never going to be a Kyrie guy. It's nice that he dribbles a lot and shoots hard shots. That's great. I don't think he raises the floor. I don't <laughs> think he shapes the game. I don't think Embiid does either. Um, when has Embiid... Do you remember the, the, the Celtics series with Embiid? When they got bounced in yes, the first I do, round? Yes, I do. No Ben Simmons? In that series, yeah, yeah. Okay. Why so the, get, why the argument he... here is MB, playoff Embiid and playoff Harden, which is yeah. the opposite of playoff LeBron. And yeah, your and argument has it's, made itself it's as <laughs> extremely, extremely Raheem Palmer voice. Uh, oh, and also Glenn Rivers. Glenn Rivers. Glenn Rivers. <laughs> um, so, like, that's the thing. Uh, I think I don't trust. When has Embiid been the best player in a playoff series? Yeah, it hasn't happened a lot. I, so, that's, so like, you're gonna have to like. I've seen Jokic do it. I've seen I've seen Joker do it. I've seen Kawhi do it. I've seen Chris Paul do it. I've seen LeBron do it. I've seen Giannis do it. I've seen KD do it. I've seen Steph kind of do it. I've seen um, all these teams that we've talked about above them. I've seen them do it. I got it. Like, if this is the, his year, then I'll change my evaluation. You know. I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not going to, I'm not so against it. I'm not like itching to bet against the Sixers, right? Like this is going to be a tough playoffs because he, they could make that jump. You're absolutely right. But there's enough there to where I think if we're talking about this from a betting standpoint, I can't get on the value of the Sixers yeah, and I have I to keep them pretty low. Yeah, I agree with the value. I, I've said for a long time now, like I, I'm just going to lose money on Embiid when he does the thing, whether the thing is MVP or the title run or whatever. I'm just going to lose money that time because I don't believe it until we get there. But I, I think that there is the case where three months from now, we're looking back and being like, why didn't we just see that it was Embiid and Harden and they had the two best guys? Like, I think that the, the imagination case, I get it. Uh, my last year, I called them the live first round dogs. So I had the Clippers and the Raptors here. We talked about them already. I added in the Atlanta Hawks and my and your Minnesota Timberwolves. You made the case for the Wolves a while ago. I think that they could actually win a series if, you know, they come out of the play in and they would have to get a Draymond or a Chris Paul banged up opponent there. They could do it. The Hawks are playoff ready from last year. Like they, they'll come in confident and you never know. It could end up being Chicago, Cleveland, one of those teams, like a top two seed Atlanta gets out of the play in. I could see it. So I don't have too much to say about them. These teams are winning the title. The Clippers, we talked about them. If the Clippers version you're talking about gets there, they could win the title. But otherwise, these are just teams that are, are live dogs in the first round. My uh, fifth tier is one team. What's the title? The Lakers. And oh. The one team. Tier. 
And the one team is the Lakers. That's the fifth tier <laughs> is the Lakers. Um, this team is not good. They're, they're not good. They don't have shooters that can consistently defend. They don't have defenders that can consistently shoot. They need Austin Reeves to have big minutes. They need Avery Bradley to not be terrible. They need, they are patched together. They hate each other. Not, they don't hate each other. They, LeBron hates this team. LeBron's comments after the Bucks game echo a lot with me, where I said this on the favorites pod, which you can listen with Chad Millman and Simon Hunter, that in 2017, when LeBron first faced the Warriors with KD, he was like, what do you want me to do? They got KD. They were the best. They, they won 73 games and they got Kevin Durant. And the defeat in his voice was just very evident. Sometimes he lets this stuff out in public. And it was, I think in part, it's always a manipulation to be like, this is the level that you need to get me to front office. Um, I don't think it's fair what he's done to the front office with the Lakers at all. I think the Lakers front office was wildly overestimated given their input on things and how much clutch had to do with their success. But ultimately, I don't think it's fair. But after the Bucks game, when he just says flat out, we're not at their level, we can't compete with them. That's damning. And LeBron James's time is very valuable. That man's not a businessman. He's a business man. And so he has his time is extremely valuable. I don't know if he hangs in. I don't know if he decides not to shut it down. I don't know if his heart is there anymore. I don't know what the future holds. It's all bad. What I will say is that you get into the plan. They take on the, they, the Lakers as the eight seed if they were able to get into the, which is probably not. They take on, um, they get into the eight seed and they take on the Wolves if the Clippers slip a little bit. Um, they can beat them. Then they're in the seventh seed. Then they face the Warriors. The Warriors had trouble with them last year. Draymond coming off of a back injury. It's still a bad matchup for them because of Anthony Davis, who should be back by then. The Lakers shock everyone and get past the Warriors. They face a Grizzlies team, which is inexperienced with John Morant. It's probably coming off of a tough three, six series. If it's them or it's Denver, who does not match up well with Anthony Davis. It's the perfect team to go against Jokic. Now, all of a sudden, the Lakers are in the conference finals. And who knows? And there's a door there because this is Le- this is LeBron James, the greatest player in the last 40 years. Since 1997, this has been the best player okay. in the I'm okay, sorry, 1998. He's been the best player in the NBA. And with that, and Anthony Davis, as much as I criticize him, still gives you a lot. Um, I think there's a door. But it's so far away and so tough to see. I think it's difficult. And um, so I have to, I'm going to include them, but I cannot feel good about the Lakers. You can tell me any scenario for the Lakers the rest of the way. And I would say that sounds reasonable. There is no scenario off the table for the Lakers at this point. I agree. I agree with all that. And just it's LeBron. And we have learned that you have to slam the door and lock it shut. If the door is cracked, LeBron still has a chance. Most of the scenarios, a huge majority of the doors, the rest of the way are going to slam shut on the Lakers. LeBron might slam it on his way out and, and lock it behind him. But as long as that door is cracked and as long as we get a shot at playoff LeBron, we've seen it before. We've seen him check out and you've seen the look in his eyes like it's done. This isn't happening. It ain't happening. Like the, the 2014 series against the Spurs when he just knew they got us. They got us. We're done. I'm out. I think that's the most likely scenario. But we've also seen 
when he gets that look like, oh, I got a shot here. We got a shot here. When he gets that look in his eye and all it takes is blood in the water in that first round series. And then he sees the young Grizzlies waiting and he thinks, I get to the conference finals, baby. I got a shot at this. Until that LeBron is dead, I can't put the nail in the coffin on the Lakers season. We'll have more about the Lakers, I'm sure. I want to do one other set of tiers here that I'm just going to throw to you. Vegas odds tiers. So these are not tiers I came up with. These are just looking at the odds, looking at all the major books. I took these same teams we're talking about, broke them into tiers. So tier one by Vegas odds are the Suns, the Warriors, and the Nets. All three of those teams, you can find them at plus 450 or shorter at one of the major books. So the Nets are tier one. They have been all year. They've been alone in tier one much of the time. To still up there with the Warriors and the Suns. Tier two, teams that are plus 600 to 1,000 at most books. That's the Bucks. it's the Sixers, and it is the Heat. So the, all three teams coming out of the East there. Tier three is, is one team. This is the, the Lakers tier, except here it's the Jazz. The Jazz are just kind of alone, stuck in the middle. There's nowhere where they're 1,001 or shorter, but everyone else below them is 25 to 1 or longer. The Jazz are just kind of stuck in the middle. They don't really know what to do with the Jazz right now, which is interesting. And then Tier 4, Grizzlies, Bulls, Celtics, Nuggets, and Lakers. All them you can get as short as 25 or 30 to 1 at a buck. So given those Vegas title tiers, that's how, that's how the odds makers are giving us those odds. By my rankings, that tells me I should be betting on the Nuggets and the Lakers, who I had in my tier two, but they show up in tier four here. And then maybe a little bit on the Bucks, who I had at the top of, or I had them in my tier one. They're at the top of tier two here. So looking at those Vegas tiers and comparing them to how you're seeing things, who, who jumps out as the best value to you? I don't need the big payday. The way that, that you that you relentlessly chase, as you can hear on the, the Action Network podcast this week, uh, it's the second tier. It's 600 to 1,000. I'm getting better than six to one on Bucks, Sixers, Heat. If that's a bucket and, and you group those teams together and lower the odds, that's the one I would take. Um, I always talked about the, my argument for Miami. I think the argument is there for the Bucks, the title, the defending champs. And then you throw in the Sixers here, which makes me feel better about you know how low I am on them. Um, that's I think that's the best tier. I think that's the best value. Right now, I do think that that top tier is overrated when you look at that top tier based off of um, it being the Warriors have issues. The Suns have Chris Paul out. The Suns are still really good. They're a fair title bet. And the Nets, who I just I cannot believe the Nets continue to be disrespected by the books. It's insulting to everyone that the Nets continue to be disrespected by the books. Um, I just can't believe it. So I like Bucks, Sixers, Heat quite a bit. All right. I like it. All right, that's going to wrap it up for our mid-season title tiers here at Buckets. For Matt Moore and Brandon Anderson, we will see you next week for all the usual good stuff. Fancy look ahead with Titus and Koffler. Big picture with myself, Matt, and Raheem Palmer. We got our workshops coming. We got a lot of games coming. We're hitting the home stretch here. Enjoy your weekend. Let's watch some second-half basketball. Let's get Buckets. <laughs>